two weeks, we have been talking about giving, about what it means to live generously, about this great thing that we call stewardship in the life of the church. And we've been using one simple word to guide us, and that word has been so. So. The first week, we asked the question, so what? Why do we even talk about money in the church? And we were reminded of Jesus' words in his great Sermon on the Mount that we are to build up not treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven, because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And I shared with you my own kind of spending analysis and how I can kind of take stock as to where I am, where my treasures are being built up, and how I might need to transform in my own giving. So as we asked that question, so what, the next week, last week, we answered with the phrase, so that, right? We talk about money, we give money so that the work of the kingdom of God can be established through the work of our church. We analyzed our church budget to see what our ministry by the numbers really looked like. We had some great numbers to celebrate, numbers like Nine, which was the number of baptisms we've had this year. Numbers like 13, which is the number of new members we've welcomed into our church family. 42, the number of children that we reached and served at Vacation Bible School at East Cobb Park this summer. Right? 92, the number of people that were involved in our Lent Bible studies. 87, the number of people that were involved in our Seamless Bible study this fall. 88, the, the number of children that are in our preschool here from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., from six weeks old up through pre-K. 180, the, the average number of people that gather here in this place on a Sunday morning. 989, the, the pounds of food we gathered in just one Sunday morning. And we said even some of the more boring numbers in the budget, the boring numbers like the, the building, right, and the maintenance, all of those add up to ministry opportunities as we open our doors to, to scouting ministries, to support groups like Adult Children of Alcoholics and Narcotics Anonymous. As we open our doors to the community and say that this is not just our place for church people, but this is a place for all people to gather. So those, those questions of so what, those answers of th so that lead us all to today, to Commitment Sunday, where we bring our commitments back, our, our commitments to give. In just a little bit, we'll have a time where we bring our commitments forward. If you didn't happen to bring your card, uh, there are some extras back in the back if you want to fill it out. Um, but we bring our commitments, and, and filling out a, an estimate of giving card is really for two reasons. One, there's kind of a logistical, practical aspect to a, to a pledge card or an estimate of giving card, right? It's how we can then make our budget for the coming year, right? Our finance committee will get the final number and use that to, to determine our plan for ministry for the coming year. There's a very practical aspect to all of this. There's also a spiritual aspect to it, right? As we renew our commitment to live generous lives. 
We call this stewardship season, right? And that word steward means that you are a person who, who manages the, the property, the resources, the finances of someone else because we recognize that all that we have is not truly ours but ultimately belongs to God. And so we must be good stewards of that. Manage it well for God's kingdom so that the love of God may be seen and known and felt and experienced in this place, in our community, and to the ends of the earth. And all that joins together. Our answers to the question, so what? Our, our fill in the blank that I challenged you to do for I give so that. All of that comes to our final declaration, our proclamation, our celebration today, which is all of this is so cool. It's so cool. You never thought that stewardship season would culminate, right, with declarations of so cool, but it is. It is. And what do I mean by giving and, and this opportunity to give is so cool? Well, I'm so glad you asked. What do I mean by that? The opportunity to give, to, to live generously, to be good stewards, to, to share with others the abundance that we have received, all of that, according to our scripture that we'll look at today, all of that leads to one thing. All of that leads to life. And not just life that allows us to you know, go through our days, but a godly life, a life that is full of, of the riches of God's kingdom. The practice of giving, it, it breathes life into us and sets up a future of abundance, not only for us, but for all those who will come after us. A life of giving, it's the, the key to contentment, the prescription for prosperity, the drug that, that cures our despair, the answer to all that causes us Anguish. Am I starting to sound like an infomercial yet? <laughs> right? For that next get rich quick scheme? <laughs> well, that's not what we're after, obviously. Although I recognize that there are some uh, televangelists who might sound <laughs> that way. We're not after the next get rich quick scheme, neither. Are we after this kind of prosperity gospel that says, if you just believe more, your bank account will grow? And when it grows, send it to me so I can buy a plane. <laughs> now, what we're after is, is a different kind of riches, right? The riches of God's kingdom, a life of faith that is full, full and rich, but not in a way that can be measured by gold or silver. Now, to get a better understanding of what exactly I mean, I want to turn to uh, one of Paul's letters, the first letter that he wrote to Timothy, this 
young pastor who was struggling with his congregation. They were being wooed and swayed by some of the false teachings in their community. And so Paul writes to him to encourage him and to give him some, some wisdom and advice. So we're turning to 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 17. Tell people who are rich at this time not to become egotistical and not to place their hope on their finances, which are uncertain. Instead, they need to hope in God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in the good things they do, to be generous and to share with others. When they do these things, they will save a treasure for themselves that is a good foundation for the future. That way, they can take hold of what is truly life. Now, as I said, Paul was writing to, to Timothy, this young leader in a young church, to try and give him some guidance and, and to boost him up as he tried to lead his people. They had been hearing not only from Timothy, but from other teachers and preachers in their community, and they were hearing some false teachings, right? They were teaching about what it means to live a good, a good and godly life, which is wonderful, but they took it a step further and said that when you do, this will bring you great Riches, great material wealth, great prosperity in your life. Now, Timothy, he knew that this was not the gospel, that this was not the truth. But he fell into the tendency that all of us preachers tend to fall into. That when we hear falsehoods being preached, we tend to swing the pendulum the totally other way and give our own absolutes. We want to fight against those false teachings. But Paul wanted Timothy to resist that temptation. Paul says to Timothy, it's clear that the people in your community want to know what to do with their money. They want to know what to do with their resources. They need a good teaching on this. And so, Timothy, you need to lead them. And show them what a godly life truly is. Just because these false teachers are claiming that faithfulness leads to riches does not mean that the riches themselves are sinful. You may have heard something similar to that, right? And, and thought that it was biblical, right? Money is the root of all evil. That's a, a misquote, actually, from this letter, from 1 Timothy. The actual phrase that Paul writes is, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Paul wants Timothy to see that, that his people, his community, want an understanding of money and wealth, and not that money in and of itself is evil, but to teach that, yes, you can be rich, you can have wealth, you can have money, but you must lead them and guide them in what to do with it. 
Don't let the accumulation of money be the end goal, but help them to see what they are to do once they have accumulated these riches. How that can lead to a godly life. And so as we read here today in those few verses, what is it that they are to do with their money, but they are to do good? To be rich in the good things they do. To be generous and to share with others. Allow what they have to be influenced by their faith. So that what they do with it brings honor and glory and power not to them, but to the one who ultimately is deserving of it. To God. Give and share in a way that allows the gospel of Jesus Christ to be shared. Give in a way that allows the gospel of Jesus Christ to be lived. And there is actually kind of a precedent already set for this. Paul was just building off of what had already been set up. If you read back in, in Luke, in Luke chapter 8, we hear these words, that soon after Jesus traveled from the cities and villages, preaching and proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. There were 12 with him, along with some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. Jesus, his disciples, his followers, being able to share the joy of the kingdom because of these women who gave. Later in Paul's letter to, to the church in Rome, he says, I'm introducing our sister Phoebe to you, who is a servant of the church. Welcome her in the Lord in a way that is worthy of God's people and give her whatever she needs from you because she herself has been a sponsor of many people myself included. These women are, are lifted up as ones who were rich in the world and used their riches to resource the sharing of the gospel. Now, we don't have the, the words of these women recorded, and I'm not exactly sure how it would translate from Greek or, or Aramaic, but I can say with confidence that as these women looked upon the work of Jesus, the work of his disciples, and saw how the love of God's kingdom was being spread, they looked at each other and said, this is so cool. This is so cool. And I can say that with confidence because they were people just like you and I, and I find myself looking at the ways my gifts and our gifts as a church are used to promote the kingdom of God, I look at it and I say, this is so cool what we are able to do. I know I shared with you last week about the ways our budget is organized and how it reflects us sharing the love of the kingdom. I want to share this morning how some special gifts have made a difference in the life of the church, right? We honor our, our regular giving as, as a, a tithe and offering 
to the church, but there are some who have an opportunity to go over and above that, especially through, through legacy giving, right? Being able to set up your estate so that a portion of it comes back to the church. We celebrate that uh, the Lassiter family was able to give a special gift this past year that helped make the new lighting in the sanctuary possible. It wasn't something that was in our regular budget, but we knew that it was uh, something that needed to happen in this space so that we could continue to reach out and be a place of worship and praise and thanksgiving. We also, this past year, had to replace the roof in a section of our building because it was leaking. There was water coming through. One of those unglamorous things, but we were able to do that through an estate gift, that we received a letter from an attorney in Florida who said, Carl Nelson Wood has named you a benefactor in his estate. Mr. Wood hadn't been a part of this congregation for a number of years as he aged, but he had recognized that this congregation made an important impact in his life and that it was making an important impact in the life of this community, and so he named us in his will. Another family, Rico Brandt, her husband recently died and left a memorial gift for us that helped to cover the cost of the roof. These are over and above gifts, but ways that our generosity impacts the life of the church and our community. I have to tell you, when I got that letter from the attorney, the first one in Florida, I thought, really? Is this, is this right? I reached out to Mike Dunham, our uh, resident attorney. I scanned it. I said, hey, is this for real? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't want to just look back, right? Because today is Commitment Sunday. We're, we are looking forward into the ways that our church will continue to be in ministry. And so I want to celebrate with you some of the ways our church staff and our church leaders are dreaming. Some of the really cool things that they are hoping to do in the coming year for the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rebecca McConnell, our, our children's director, has put into her kind of dream budget this year to really focus in on, on resourcing and training up parents and grandparents to raise their children in the faith. That we recognize that we maybe get an hour or two every Sunday to build a foundation for faith, but the true foundation of faith comes in the home. And so she's asked for, for money in her budget to be able to resource parents and grandparents, to, to bring in a, a special speaker to have a seminar on what it means to raise up children in the faith. Gary Mack, our youth director, has put into his budget a tutoring program out of our youth house here on site so that it can be a place for teens to come, to learn, to receive assistance with school, but knowing that doing it here in this place means so much more than that. It means having a listening ear that can share the love of God 
through some tutoring lessons. Jim Perry in our Congregational Care and Discipleship Ministries is looking to build off of, of that dementia seminar that we held a few months ago to really address some of the issues that are facing our community. Issues like sex trafficking. Issues like suicide prevention and awareness. Issues like caring for those who are grieving, focusing especially coming up on, on those that have lost a spouse. How can we as a church be a resource point for people in our community that are facing these real issues? Our missions committee wants to continue to build into our partnership with Must Ministries, especially as they look to build their new facility. Right, this new facility that will increase the number of beds that they have for the homeless in our midst, that will build specific family rooms so that families who are experiencing homelessness can stay together and not be split apart, but can stay together. How important and crucial is that? How life-changing will that be? And, and I recognize that in this coming year, it will bring some changes for our church as a whole as we look at the changes that are happening at a church down the street. Powers Ferry United Methodist Church, right down the road from us, voted a few weeks ago to discontinue worship as a church, to close their doors. They can no longer be a church together. And so they will be working with us to come together and be a part of our community of faith here at East Cobb United Methodist Church. We are already in conversation with how to, to formally welcome them in to our fold. Our trustees are working with them to kind of combine our assets. And we recognize that it's a time of grief and loss for them and we want to surround them in that and then show them that they are, can be a part of us and join us in our ministry and mission together. And those are just a few of the ways that our church is looking to continue to gather and grow and go together. So that we can say what we are doing for the kingdom of God it is so cool. It's so cool. So in just a minute, the, the band is going to come back up and lead us in just some music. And you will be invited to bring your estimate of giving cards, your commitment cards, your pledge cards, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> to bring this symbol of generosity, of commitment up to the front and to lay it at the altar rail. You can pause for a moment of prayer if you wish. But I hope and pray that you will bring your commitments, not with any sense of trepidation or, or hesitation, and not out of a sense of guilt or shame and that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. 
but that you will do so with, with celebration and with joy at the ways God is working in this place and through us. And so that you can lay it down and say, I am willing to give in this way because it is so cool how the Holy Spirit is going to use it and move through it here at East Cobb United Methodist Church. I'm so excited about who we are as a church and where we are going. I'm excited to do that with all of you. Let us pray. Holy Lord, our God, we seek after life with you, a life that is full of riches and abundance. We know that, that sometimes our lives can reflect material riches. And that you see that not as, as an evil, but as an opportunity to proclaim and to live out the riches, not of the world, but of your kingdom. Help us to serve you, to be stewards of all you have given us in ways that share your love and your grace in our community and across the world. Help us to commit to you, to life with you, and that we can be generous in every way, not just with our money, but be generous with our smiles, be generous with our laughter, be generous with our handshakes and with our hugs. Be generous with our words. Be generous with our mercy. Be generous in our offers of forgiveness. May your Holy Spirit work in our lives that we may live generously just as you have been generous to us. All this we pray in Christ's name.